A few weeks ago, when I was on holiday, I was in a National Trust place, Fountains Abbey, and I was sitting on the seat with John, having a coffee, watching the world go by. And a group of people came tootling along, and I'm, peop I'm a people watcher. And as they got close, I could hear what they were saying, and then off they went. And one of them asked the strangest question I have ever heard anyone ask about Jesus. And I thought, what? But they're gone. And this was what I heard them say. So, since Jesus can walk on water, does that mean that he can swim on dry land? <laughs> Honest, I don't think they were being flippant. I think they were deadly serious. Since Jesus could walk on water, does that mean he could swim on dry land? And after I digested it, I thought, oh, I could answer that. But I, I didn't catch them. But I will give you an answer to that in a bit. But we do have questions, and that's why Alf is so great. Martin's busy, and his team are running an Alpha course here on Mondays where you can ask all the questions that you like. Whether he's had that question before, no, there you go, there's always a first time. But sometimes we don't fully appreciate who Jesus is. Even Christians, we don't fully appreciate who he is. And before you become a Christian, you can have all sorts of ideas. You can watch a film on the TV, you can look at a few statues, you can see a few paintings, you can make it up of who Jesus is. And when I was a kid, I went to Sunday school. To be honest, when I used to look back, I didn't think that did me any good, but boy, did it. Because do you know what it did? It put God into my head. And I became a Christian at 13, but before that, when I was sort of eight or nine, when life wasn't great, one of my early memories is lying in bed saying, God, if you could fix this, if you could fix this, if you could change that, and I would give him a list, as a child would. And I would wake up the next morning. Yeah, it's all the same. And I'd be a little bit disappointed because I kind of thought I'd trek God like a genie in a lamp. And some people say, well, I can't see God. I don't know what God's like. There's a, there's a book in the Bible called Colossians that I'm going to read from today. You're right, Lewis, the Bible is a very big book. And as Hillary said the other week, we need to read every word. And Paul wrote to the people of this church and he explained who Jesus is. And I'm going to read these verses to you, and that's what we're going to look at just briefly this morning. Colossians 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him, all things were made, whether things in heaven or in earth, whether things visible or invisible, thrones powers, rulers, authorities, all things were made by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church, he's the beginning and he's the firstborn from the dead so that in everything he might have 
the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Wow. Everything hinges on Jesus. Now, I'm not here today to get into a debate or an argument with any of you now or later on who created the world. I believe the Bible. And I'm not here to throw ridicule or scorn on anything to do with physics or science because they are really important. They've made vital changes. I'm not saying anything against them, but I would just like to share a couple of news articles that came across my path when I was preparing this preach. Coincidentally. The first one was about just over a week ago. You'll still find it on the BBC site. And they were talking about how everything in the world is made of matter. I'm not going to get too technical because, honestly, I'm really not very clever. So apologies if I'm making this too simple for you. Everything is made of matter and antimatter. Tiny little particles called atoms. And the antimatter ones are the opposite of matter. And in those ones, the electrical charges go around the opposite way. Now, according to the article on the BBC, both of these were created in equal amounts in the Big Bang, which formed our universe. And for years, physicists have been scrambling to discover their differences and similarities to explain how the universe arose. Because, according to their theories, in the Big Bang, when antimatter and matter met, they should have cancelled each other out and just left light. So how the universe was formed is something they haven't quite grasped yet. And recently, just a week or so ago, in that fantastic uh, laboratory in CERN in Switzerland, they did an experiment because they needed to prove that matter would respond to gravity. They knew that. But they wanted to prove that antimatter would also respond to gravity. And it did. But now, that still hasn't answered the question, so now they're having to do some more experiments. And Dr. Danielle Hodgkinson, a member of the research team, said, and I quote, for the next steps in the research, the team are upgrading their experiment to make it more sensitive, to see if there is a slight difference in the rate at which antimatter falls. If so, it could answer one of the biggest questions of all about how the universe came into existence. I'll just take you back to Colossians. <laughs> all things were created by him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Just this week, there was another article, would you believe it? It's almost like God was giving us the content and me preach. NASA have got one of those super-duper telescopes called the James Webb Telescope. And that is concentrated all the time on the Orion Nebula. 
I've got some little binoculars. I like to look at the moon, but this would be beyond me. And they are studying that. And the headlines, even in the Times newspaper, was that they have discovered 40 new planet-type things made of gas. And they've found them. Now, it's not new to discover that. But what they've found is that these 40 planet-like objects the size of Jupiter are moving in this nebula, not on their own. They're moving in pairs. <laughs> but there ain't nothing in that nebula to produce gravity. So what is holding those objects together. And Mr. Pearson, I don't know why he hasn't got a better title than that, but it's on the website. Mr. Pearson told Sky News that brilliant scientists have been working on theories and models of star and planet formation for decades, but no one has ever predicted that we'd find pairs of super low mass objects floating in space. And we're seeing a lot of them. The main thing we learn from this, and I'm quoting, is that there is something fundamentally wrong with either our understanding of planet formation, star formation, or both. We know we can see them. They are right there in the images. But we don't know how they were formed. In terms of their mass, they sit in the gap between a star and a planet. But our current understanding of how stars and planets form cannot explain their existence. That's in the news. You can Google it when you get home. In him, all things hold together. And those testimonies are just lovely stories. You can see God's been at work in people's lives even when we don't realise it. Time passes so quickly, that holiday seems a lifetime away. You must have heard people, you'll say, oh, do you have a good holiday? E. I've been back to work for two days. It feels like I've never been away. But time goes, doesn't it? It doesn't seem that long since it was Easter. It doesn't seem that long ago since we had a pasta. It doesn't seem that long ago since it was summer and now the shops are full of Christmas stuff. Have you ever felt like you're living in a loop? It's kind of like life's on repeat. Same, the same, the same. However good, the same, the same, the same. And even when your life's great and things are going just how you wanted them to go, I can guarantee that at some point in your life there'll come a time, maybe you're alone, wherever you are, there'll come a time when this little thought will come into your head if it hasn't done so already. And these three little words will pop in. Is this it? Is this it? I've planted that in your mind now. Is this it? Well, you know, as a Christian, I can tell you it's not. It's not. It's not just about going through a loop. It's not just your life being on repeat. There is so much more. We're designed to know God. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God.
It's possible to know God. You know, before he became a Christian, my dad was typical of many dads in that era. He wouldn't talk about religion. If I tried to talk to him about church or Jesus, he wouldn't have anything to do with it. It's private. It's my business. Don't need that. But when he went off to hospital in an ambulance and he woke up in a ward on his own and he thought he might die, years later he told me about this. In that moment, he reached out to God. And do you know what he found? Nothing. He suddenly realised, I don't know God at all. All these years, I don't know God at all. And that started a passion and a search in him, and eventually he found God. And years later, when I sat on his hospital bedside and he was dying, he knew it and I knew it. He said, Sheila, all those years I was a coward. All those years I wasted. But knowing Jesus has been the best thing to happen to me. I'd rather stay with you a bit longer, but I'm not afraid to go. Because I'm going to be with him. That, our lives are not a loop. They're not chance. You're not here by accident today. The universe is not an accident. It's possible to know God. Goes on in Colossians to say, as I've already read, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. You can know that peace. Those of you here today who are Christians who know the Lord, know that that doesn't promise you a pain-free life. We're still susceptible to whatever else everybody else in the world is. Of course, we're not immune from illness or problems or difficulties or failures. But having Christ in your life just turns everything upside down. You're not alone. You've got that peace in your heart. You've got a joy. You've got an assurance that no matter what life hits at you, you've got someone who sticks closer than a brother. He knows all your days. All things hold together in him. And sometimes, you know, life will throw you a curveball. You really don't know what you're doing tomorrow. You might have some in your diary. I mean, Jeff's diary is amazing. I thought mine was organised till I saw Jeff's. But you know, that's our best guess. Because only God knows what your tomorrow is. Last week, and I'm not going to dwell on this because we are running out of time. Last week, a letter was delivered through that letterbox in this church with my name on the front, handwritten. And just before the service last Sunday... Somebody said, oh, Sheila, this letter arrived a couple of days. There you go. Well, you kind of give me a letter and not want us to open it. I, was, I thought, who amongst you has written to me? Come on. And a voice in my head very clearly said, on no account are you to open that letter today. You take that home and read it when you're by yourself at home. That's what I did. If you had asked me to guess the content of that letter in a million years, I would never have guessed what was in that letter. Talk about a curveball, a ball out of the blue. I can tell you later if you're interested because it's not a secret. 
but that has rocked my world. It's kept me awake. It's put like, you know, John and I have just been consumed about that. It's created questions. It's changed memories. It's going to change my future. But in a good way. It's not bad news. It'll be good. Because I know all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. In him all things hold together. So, can Jesus swim on dry land? Did you know I looked for the I looked for the group because I, I really wanted to talk to them, but I, I couldn't find them. Okay. It doesn't mention it in the Bible. So I'm gonna give you my own thought here. Alright? I would say yes. If the creator of the world wanted to change the atoms and matter that makes up something solid and change that to something liquid so he could swim in it, then I would say, yes, he could. But I would also say, why would he want to? When Jesus did miracles, he wasn't shown off. He didn't do something for effect. He didn't do something to build up his ego. He wasn't just showing off. He did miracles to bring glory to God and to rescue people. He rescued them from illness. He rescued them from hurt. He rescued them from sin. When he walked on the water, he needed to do that because there was someone out there who needed to be rescued. And he will do whatever he needs to do to reach you and rescue you. Anything he needs to do, he will do. I'm just going to get the band up to play a song. It's not by chance that you're here today. I'm just going to read those verses out again. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, even antimatter and matter. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning and the firstborn from amongst the dead, so that in everything he'll have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You're never going to reach eternity on your own. You're never going to reach heaven. You can't save yourself. Not one of us is perfect. God's standard is perfection. And all of us have done something against that. And it, the Bible calls it sin whether it's a thought or an action or a deed, we've all fallen short. But Jesus took all of those sins when he went to the cross so that by believing in him, we can be forgiven. The punishment that we deserved was on Jesus. Can you know God? 
Yes. Yes, you can. The band are going to play a song and then I'm going to come back and we're going to pray. And I'm asking, just going to pray now before the song. Holy Spirit, would you speak to heart through this song? Would you challenge? In Jesus' name. If you're feeling a voice inside of you, that's God speaking to you. I'm going to give you the opportunity today to get to know him. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'll tell you what it is first. But if you're feeling that, is this it? If you're feeling that emptiness inside, if you're feeling a stirring, and that's God speaking to you. That's Jesus reaching out to rescue you. Don't leave it till tomorrow. And if you're listening to this online, I'm looking up as if they were there. These podcasts go out. If you're at home listening to this, then this too is for you. Our contact details are on the website, but this too, this invitation is for you. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to pray, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I've tried to live my life without you. I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to receive your forgiveness and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Now, when I pray that now, you can either pray it where you're sitting or you can come out and pray it. But we're all going to stand and pray it together. So if you just say it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I've tried to live my life without you. I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to receive your forgiveness and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. And if we just close our eyes, if you've prayed that prayer, Raise your hand so I can see it. I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you. Don't delay. God is wanting to rescue you and give you that forgiveness and that new life. And for those at home, act now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are interested in our salvation. That there's not a person here, Lord, who you don't want to know you, who you don't want to have a brand new start in you, to know that forgiveness, to know that peace. And we thank you that that's what you're all about, Father. Amen.